Hello, and welcome back to the PKD Dietitian Podcast. I want to start today by asking you a question. What do you get when you take a scientist who researches PKD, and then you add in discoveries related to PKD growth pathways, and then finally you add in the realization that these pathways depend on nutrients? I'll tell you what you get. You get a medical food, more specifically, Keto Citra, the first and only medical food for polycystic kidney disease. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Wimes, and we are going to dive into all of this for you. Thomas is a professor at UC Santa Barbara, where he is also the director of the Wimes Lab, which focuses solely on studying PKD, which Dr. Wimes has been researching for over 20 years. His research primarily focuses on the pathways of PKD with an emphasis on developing new therapies. In 2020, Dr. Wimes founded the company Santa Barbara Nutrients, the goal being to help bring these new therapies based on his groundbreaking research to the PKD community, all while being grounded in advocacy and seeking positive impact. Join us as we dive into what a medical food is, how Keto Citra, Santa Barbara Nutrients' first product, was formulated specifically for PKD, and our discussion on opportunities to impact the progression of PKD. Dr. Wines, I am so excited to have you joining me today on the PKD Dietitian Podcast. So let's jump right in. And for listeners who are not familiar with you um, and your background, perhaps we can start a little bit at the beginning. So you've been researching PKD for a long time. What path led you to PKD? Uh, hi, Diana. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, so how did um, I get uh, onto the PKD train? Um, it happened um, way back then, over 20 years ago, when I um, started as a brand new assistant professor. Uh, at the time, actually, it's a Cleveland clinic, you know, in Cleveland, Ohio. As an assistant professor, you have to decide what you actually want to do, you know, with your lab. And, you know, you hire people to work for you, you know, students, researchers, and so on. Got to work on some problem. Um, uh, that seems important. I was um, planning to work on something totally different, you know, something that I had done during my postdoctoral research and at uh, University of California in Santa uh, in uh, San Francisco. But then I was approached by a couple um, or by a family um, in Cleveland. Um, they had uh, very close ties to the Cleveland Clinic and they had PKD in the family. They had you know, some wealth in the family that had been supporters of the Cleveland Clinic and they really wanted to support PKD research, but nobody was doing it at the time. So my chairman at the time told them, hey, here's, um, you know, this new assistant professor that works with kidney cells. And we had a meeting and um, we, you know, figured out, um, you know, they were very interested in us doing work on PKD. I was looking for something worthwhile to do, so to speak. And uh, so we decided we would do it. And, and they decided they would fund the research. Um, so I was able to hire a, a postdoctoral researcher in my lab um, and we started to read the literature 
to figure out what, what was known, what was unknown. Of course, 20 plus years ago, most things were unknown. And uh, we figured out where we thought we could contribute something to the, you know, the knowledge and started some um, plans, some experiments, and they actually worked out pretty well. We got some really interesting data early on, published you know, a couple of uh, really good papers, uh, and that kind of started the entry into the PKD research field. And then my first um, big NIH grants, for, for example, were all on the PKD research part of the lab. And I had a much tougher time getting the other work funded that I was initially thinking of uh, doing. Um, so it kind of turns the whole lab into a PKD research lab that way. Wow. It sounds like PKD kind of fell into your lap and found you. I think one thing that's really important is that what I'm also hearing is that people within the PKD community were the advocates for getting you involved and paying for your research. And I really do believe that that shifts so much within PKD research. So, well, we are really lucky to have you 20 plus years later. Uh, I'm glad that path and the funding put you on that path. So you have the Wimes Lab and you ended up landing with your home base in Santa Barbara, California. In that huge span of time that you've solely been researching PKD. What do you feel is the most impactful discovery or revelation that your lab and your work has made? Yeah, so we actually started out um, making sort of like an initial splash, um, you know, 20 something years ago, maybe um, my first paper already made an impact because we we stumbled on this um, so-called mTOR pathway. It doesn't really matter what it is, but um, there was already a drug available called rapamycin. You know, that was um, approved for something different. Um, so this then actually led to um, a very quick translation into clinical trials. Um, so there were big clinical trials that started in Europe, uh, one in in, Ger uh, in Germany, one in Switzerland. I helped get the one in, in Germany a little bit off the ground and, and persuade the company behind the drug um, to actually put money into it. So that was um, sort of unusual that, you know, very quickly an, an academic paper could actually lead to clinical trials, but it did. Unfortunately, the clinical trials didn't come out great. Um, the results were that essentially, you know, you, yes, you can use this drug, but you can never use high enough doses um, to actually have an, an impact there, have some efficacy. And you essentially end up with only side effects, especially in a chronic disease like a polycystic kidney disease where you have to treat patients for years and decades. It's just not oftentimes possible um, to treat somebody for you know really long times with, with drugs um, that have you know all kinds of side effects and then you end up uh, making people sicker than they were to begin with or then they would be without um, the pharmacological intervention. So this um, became a bit of a dead-end road, practically speaking. And then, you know, many years later, I think maybe the most impactful discovery um, was, you know, all these um, pathways that we discovered that are actually, um, or that we worked on that can be influenced by dietary and lifestyle interventions, you know, which is something that's relatively new. You know, in the last few years, I think we published those papers in 2019. And it's been going strong ever since. And I'm very excited about that because you can potentially get around not even having to use any drugs, any pharmacological interventions, and you can instead, you know, attack the problem with diet and lifestyle. 
which makes it, of course, also much more accessible to the entire world out there. Might um, third world countries, um, anyone, uh, you name it. That um, I think to me, I think is a game changer. Of course, it has disadvantages if if you don't have a big pharma company behind you. Then who's going to pay uh, to pay the bills to actually do all the research? You know, that's always the drawback if if it's a non pharmacological approach. Yeah. It's crazy how that sounds a little bit backwards, but now you're speaking my language, the food and the diet mm-hmm. and lifestyle language. And it sounds like that science is not your only superpower. It sounds like you're pretty good at fundraising and getting grants mm-hmm. and funding. So that I think probably absolutely helps when you come up against big pharma, not really funding the research brought us from 20 years ago up until about 2018 when you had these um, discoveries and publications about the pathways PKD that are nutrient dependent and do rely on nutrition. From there, what did you discover we could do with diet or an opportunity that we could do with diet to kind of cut off those pathways that um, drive cyst growth? Just the overview. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So we basically um, figured out two different pathways or two different mechanisms, if you will, that make PKD worse. Um, and it's all based on animal studies. Of course, that's where you start. And these two different mechanisms have to do one of them with um, the cellular metabolism <clears throat> and um, where we, um, you know, actually many other labs had already kind of found lots and lots of data suggesting that cyst cells in PKD are dependent on glucose. This process called glycolysis that takes the glucose and turns it into energy. So these cells are kind of stuck using glucose and that's normally not a problem for these cells because we Americans, let's say this on a standard American diet, have plenty of glucose floating around our blood. Um, So we're essentially feeding these cysts, you know, their preferred food and we keep them happy uh, which is you know actually not in, in the interest of someone with PKD right? so you don't really want to feed your cysts um, and make them no. grow faster no, and you definitely do not. You, right exactly <laughs> but the way around it uh, as we found is um, you can essentially switch the whole body metabolism into um, ketosis um, and I know you know all, all about it um, but of course ketosis is just the opposite of using carbohydrates um, and you can actually limit your carbohydrate intake if you limit carbohydrates then the body starts burning fat instead um, and then that means you can essentially starve those cysts keep them unhappy and prevent them from growing ever faster so that's the one mechanism that has to do with keto- uh, ketosis and the other mechanism that we found that makes PKD worse are these uh, microcrystals. And it has to do with the function of the kidney, you know, where the kidney has to excrete all these waste products out of the body, you know, with the urine. Some of the waste products just happen to be very insoluble. Um, so they, they tend to precipitate, they form these microcrystals sometimes while they're going through the kidney. And these microcrystals, you know, they're very, very sharp little, you know, structures that can really damage the kidney. Kidney doesn't want microcrystals and eventually these microcrystals that can aggregate and they can grow and form kidney stones. So you don't want kidney stones either. And what we found is that these microcrystals can really make the disease worse. Uh, There's lots of clinical 
associations as well. So people with PKD tend to have uh, frequent kidney stones and, and those people with PKD that have frequent kidney stones, they also have worse progression of, of the PKD. So it kind of all fits together. So what we found is that you really want to antagonize the microcrystals, you know, just make sure they don't form um, or as, as, as little as possible. These microcrystals, you can actually really antagonize with diet and lifestyle changes. So once you know what the problem is, um, you can actually try to do something about it. Very interesting. What we have is the two pathways kind of broken down here. We've got the pathway that cyst, the actual cyst cells like to get their energy from. That's what you're talking about with the glucose, which is blood sugar and cutting that off, either reducing it or dramatically reducing it with a ketogenic diet so that we're not feeding cyst cells. Because <laughs> I know I've said this before, they, they tend to be sugar addicts and blood, blood sugar, blood glucose, that's what it is. And then the other pathway is reducing the stressors that essentially piss cysts off, those microcrystals, mm -hmm. and then making it so that really added bonus, reduced risk for kidney stones and um, just all associated with much better outcomes and slower progression. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What we found is in the lab, ptosis is highly beneficial uh, in PKD uh, and that, you know, avoiding these crystals is highly beneficial. So we thought, all right, what if you just combine both, <laughs> right? So you have keto and you have the, you know, the an antagonism of those crystals, um, which I think makes sense, you know, because why would you only want to address one problem and not both uh, at the same time? I think that's that might be the key to squeezing out the most bang for the buck, if you will, um, to just go after both mechanisms at the same Both at the same time. You've got all this amazing research and you've got all of this information. So walk me through a little bit. What made you say, hey, I'm going to take all this information and create a nonprofit company in order to share this with the PKD community. Walk me through like that process because you've taken all of this information about what we know about PKD and the pathways and combined that into a nutritional food for PKD. Good question. Um, there's one, one, you know, to, for the record. Um, so, the company we founded is actually not non-profit. Um, it's it's for profit, um, but it's um, we incorporated it as a what's called a benefit corporation. What a benefit corporation is is. Um, it's still a for profit. The company can then make decisions, you know, business decisions, not only based on maximizing shareholder value, which a regular company that's the the only thing they can use to guide their their company decisions. Uh, benefit corporation, they can also take other considerations into account, such as you know sustainability, the environment, any benefit to your, in, in this case, to the customers, the patients, benefit to employees, and so on. So we're not quite as you know in in the the corporate trenches as um, you know um, almost all the other companies out there. Why do we even think of starting a company at all? And you know, of course, my 
my day job is as a professor um, at, uh, at the State University, you know, University of California, Santa Barbara. So you wouldn't really necessarily think that would be something I would do or would even think of um, because I have a job. I don't need a second job. But the problem is sometimes, you know, especially in this case, um, all the kind of approaches we we came up with that we think would benefit people with polycystic kidney disease, they're not really approaches that would be pursued by pharmaceutical companies um, because there's very little money to be made. You know, you can't really, if you tell someone go on a ketogenic diet, you know, that's it. You know, you, um, you cannot really sell a ketogenic diet or um, you, if you tell people go do some fasting, you know, nobody earns any money from that. But we did figure out that um, we can mimic some of the effects um, of a ketogenic diet um, by supplementing with um, this main ketone, beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB, you know, which is usually made uh, by the liver uh, during ketosis. So um, to my surprise, uh, in the lab, we found, you know, if we just give this ketone to rats with PKD, they actually mimics the beneficial effects of you know fasting and starving and being on a ketogenic diet. But how do you make Just those available? Just to step in there, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> ketogenic <laughs> diets are not starving. I just want to clarify right. that yes. for the <laughs> listeners out there. Two different <laughs> things, guys. And Thomas, what is the name of this company? And I stand corrected. I've met so many lovely people that work for your company and within your company. And so um, they're just doing so much good work and advocacy that in my brain, a bigger thing than a company. So what is the name of your, what, what is the name of your company? Yeah, it's uh, the, the company name is Santa Barbara Nutrients. You know, we just call it SBN for short, Santa Barbara Nutrients. Uh, it really came about by, you know, a whole bunch of folks coming together. Actually, all of them either kidney researchers or kidney patients, actually PKD patients, and just decided we either do this or nobody will ever do this. It would be impossible to get a pharmaceutical company to develop a um, inexpensive product like you know, the one we ended up developing because they would never be able to get their money back you know, if they develop it as, a, as an FDA-approved drug. For your listeners, the average cost, I believe, of to bring a, a new drug to market in the uh, in the U.S. is $1.5 billion, in a billion with a B. So something else had to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, we essentially, a whole bunch of amazing people came together, most of them with polycystic kidney disease that all had sort of industry experience uh, and you know they're all experts in, in something you know we have a, a fantastic a patent lawyer for example on the on the team you know we could never afford anyone like that uh, with that kind of experience you know unless it's a founder of a company founded this company and we came up with the idea to essentially combine two inexpensive ingredients um, to to attack these two different pathways I was talking about, yeah, ketosis and, and those crystals. You know, all the, the ingredients you needed for that are already available as supplements, you know, they were able to combine them and actually figure out that you get a synergistic effect. You know, if you actually really go after both pathways at the same time, you get kind of more um, benefit than, um, you know, just like adding one uh, compared to an additive effect. It also allowed us to lower the dose um, of these compounds and we came up with um, a really good uh, formulation there because these ingredients are all food ingredients. Actually able to put this together not as a drug, um, but as a food. It's a uh, it's called a medical food. You know, that's a certain FDA 
category um, and you know the food and drug administration in the US you know the, the name already says it's food and drugs they regulate foods they regulate drugs they also regulate supplements one particular category is called medical foods um, you know they are essentially foods but they're used for a medical purpose and that's um, what we put together and that's this um, product keto citra a medical food it's not a drug so it's not prescription and it does not treat or cure a disease or prevent a disease that would be a drug you know claim so to speak uh, so we can't say that keto citra cures anything uh, which of, of course it doesn't really um, you know it's a genetic disease even if you improve the kidney phenotype or let's say other kidney problems the person still has polycystic kidney disease yeah Thank you for that. And you mentioned uh, something I'd like to talk a little bit more about, uh, and that is specifically Keto Citra. It's essentially your research applied to a nutritional food. You told us a little bit about what a medical food is and how it serves a certain purpose. Tell me a little bit more about why Keto Citra is considered and was approved to be a medical food. I think that's really interesting, that difference between a supplement you can order on Amazon and a medical food that has mm. science-backed purpose. Tell me a little bit more about what, what it means to be a medical food. Yeah, good question. And in fact, most people don't really know what this, neither did I, you know, when we started all this, you know, there was a lot of learning in there, learning experience, you know, there's different categories of, of products uh, and they all have um, different, you know, purposes, if you will. So obviously regular foods are for regular eating, you know, a banana, bread <laughs> and so on, right? So you don't need FDA approval to bake a bread and sell it um so those are regular foods everybody i think knows what drugs are you know typically drugs are chemical compounds you know that, that are new to the world new to nature they had never been out there before you know they're designed somewhere in a lab uh, sometimes they can be uh, nature derived and often kind of derivatized um but drugs are always you know by default considered to be unsafe right unless you prove that they are safe <laughs> um, so that's why important part of a drug approval is um, the safety because um, you know you have this random chemical compound that nobody's ever put into a human let's say drug company first has, has to prove it's safe it doesn't kill everyone it doesn't have you know horrendous side effects and then they have to prove that it's effective can get it approved as a, as a drug it all goes back to the do no harm. Right, yeah. Right. And, that's why, and that's, that makes a lot of sense, right? So uh, drugs really should be um, going through this rigorous process. But of course, a food is already safe, right? So, you know, a food is, um, is, is, is food. So you don't actually have to um, establish the safety anymore because foods are, you know, you, you don't have to prove to anyone that bread is safe or banana is safe. Um, so it's this category medical foods comes in uh, so all the ingredients they have to be what's called grass generally recognized as safe intended then for the dietary management of a person with a certain disease and you know you have to have to be scientific reasons why you know put these foods together for a certain disease um, and there are many many examples of medical foods you know for all kinds of different 
typically a genetic disease to make sort of a case for um, for um, you know all the the research behind it and the science behind it. But important to remember is that it's um, it's still a food. It's regulated as a food, so you don't have to go for the same clinical trials um, that are you know typically a drug trial. But medical foods are also a little different from supplements, you know, dietary supplements. And the distinction there is um, supplements actually don't have to be safe, strangely enough. <laughs> so supplements can contain ingredients that are not grass, you know, that they're not generally recognized as safe. So if you will, a supplement could potentially be somewhat unsafe, and that's often sometimes the case, you know, especially like herbal extracts where you don't really know what's in it um so oftentimes you know there are supplements out there that are not have never been shown to be safe uh, so that's there's a bit of a caution there <laughs> of supplements and that's why i think a lot of doctors are worried about supplements you know because they don't have to be proven to be safe and they're not foods um they're definitely not regulated whatsoever. We've got the supplement and we've got a medical food. And from what I'm hearing, in order to be qualified as a medical food, there has to be science-backed research. There also has to be a potential benefit for a specific disease state. There also is a regulation of what goes into it, and it's all generally recognized as safe. Did I miss anything? Yeah, that's roughly right. Um, and um, okay. you know, the manufacturing, for example, has to adhere to um, a GMP, general manufacturing product protocols so they're in a very strict procedure so the manufacturer gets um audited and um accredited if you will the fda for example can go ahead and audit a manufacturer and say hey you guys are making gmp um medical foods you know show us what you got and you know let's see and <laughs> let's inspect your facility so to be always you know up to date and tip top and they're actually voluntarily certified you know there are organizations like the nsf um, that, that does these certifications so they are inspect those really regularly so there's pretty high standards uh, involved and you know the, even the warehousing and shipping um, has to be um, you know under food um, regulations so let's say things have to be climate controlled and so on you, you couldn't just have a um, you know, a rat infested warehouse, <laughs> for example. So it's um, oh, it's a, a terrible image. I like this oversight. I wish it was more widespread with supplements, but we're not talking about a supplement here. And I think right. that's a really important mm. distinction that keto citra is a medical food and it is designed specifically for unique needs of PKD. And I think a lot of people, just in listening to you now, I really hope understand how much work went into this, creating Keto Citra and the science behind it and uh, all the regulation. And I, I thank you for that. It's, I know it was an uphill battle and being the only medical food that is available for PKD. Now, I would love to dive in with you a little bit more about what's in Keto Citra and why. Because there's all these things within keto citra that are so PKD specific and beneficial. And so I would love to just give an overview about what's in keto citra and what the benefit or the purpose is for specifically PKD. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. Sounds good. All right. At the top, you mentioned the two big things that 
you have this ketone, you called it beta-hydroxybutyrate, BHB, and then you also have a component that helps with the crystals. Those sound like the two big pieces or parts of Keto Citra. What are they? Exactly. So, and it was the name of the product that came in handy, you know, keto for the ketone and citra for citrate, actually. Um, so the ketone, um, you know, beta hydroxybutyrate, a long, long word, uh, hard to pronounce, uh, or just BHB for short. It's one of the main ingredients there. And, you know, as, as you well know, when we're in nutritional ketosis, you know, when we're either fasting or we're on a ketogenic diet, um, our liver makes BHB, right? So that's how our normal body makes it. And the liver actually makes it in huge amounts, huge quantities. And the liver gets the substrate for making BHB from the fat, you know, the fat cells, um, our fat tissue. So when we're in ketosis, our fat tissue can actually finally let go of all the fat and um, sends these fatty acids to the liver. The liver turns it into BHB, sends it back into the bloodstream and all the cells in the body can consume it and then use it for energy. That's exactly that molecule, BHB. You can just take BHB uh, exogenously, that's that's uh, the term. Um, so you just drink it, essentially. It gets into your bloodstream just as well, uh, as, as if your liver would make it. BHB has been out um, as, you know, as supplements, you know, for many, many years. Um, lots of people have been uh, taking it for energy and for sports, nutrition kind of purposes, also as weight loss, um, for weight loss and so on. So there's a lot of experience with BHB as a supplement already out there. As I said, we found in you know in in our uh, research that the exogenous BHB can really mimic a lot of the effects of um, dietary ketosis. The idea is that we're essentially helping along the dietary ketosis, or even for people that are not in in ketosis, um, you know, still have them be able to get a benefit um, from just um, supplement uh, supplementing with exogenous BHB. So you've got BHB in there, which is the ketone, which if someone's following a ketogenic diet, that's what they're making for energy sources. Of course, the problem with, with a ketogenic diet is um, I think they work really well, except it's really hard to do for most people. Um, and especially if, if somebody does it on their own without professional help, like they're signing up with you, for example, you know, it's a really an uphill battle. And most people can maybe do it for a couple of weeks and they fall all of the wagon here is that um, something like keto citra can help out you know the vast majority of people that might be struggling with uh, nutritional ketosis and all these very strict diets you know for the rest of their lives um, which you know that's really hard to do you can sort of like me have a little shortcut there but also i think um, using keto uh, keto citra in conjunction even with a ketogenic diet i think is very helpful ketone when you say it's exogenous, that just means that the body's not making it. So you've got BHB, the ketone, which you can get from Keto Citra that essentially the cyst cells cannot use for energy. So you don't have to follow a ketogenic therapy in order to use Keto Citra, yes. Mm-hmm. Someone can choose to take Keto Citra in order to get the BHB, which is beneficial, or they could choose to do a ketogenic diet with the help of a health professional and then take keto citra, the BHB in order to help do that easier. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly, yeah. right. Good. I got that. All right. So what about this other? So you've got, we got the keto part and now what about the citra part? Tell me why the mm-hmm. citrate is in keto citra and how it specifically helps with PKD. Right. Yes. Good question. So it turns out that people with PKD for a few additional abnormalities, you know, besides this whole metabolic you know, thing where the, where the cell, um, cells are stuck in, on glucose, they also have um, a certain degree of acidosis, um, which just means that their body makes, for one reason or another, and it's not really exactly quite understood why, but um, the body makes too much acid. That acid has to be excreted through the kidneys, and that makes the urine acidic. Right? So the and you know the acidity is measured by by the pH value. Um, you know, a pH of seven is neutral. Anything less than seven, you know, let's say like five, is acidic. And it turns out that people with PKD have, um, um, on average, you know, a very acidic uh, urine pH. Urine pH also means that the kidney cannot excrete citrate very well. And on top of having the urine pH too low, they also have too low citrate levels in the urine. And uh, what is citrate? Um, so citrate is essentially citric acid. I think everybody knows citric acid. You actually buy it in the grocery store. You can use it to bake with and, and uh, add it to all kinds of recipes and so on. Of course, um, citric acid is in, in lemons and in many other fruits and so on. So it's um, you know just a normal natural compound. But it turns out that citrate is very important for the kidneys um, to prevent these microcrystals from forming. And that's kind of the natural defense of the kidney. Because what citrate can do is it, it binds to calcium in the kind of the urinary tract, if you will, and in, in the, inside the kidney. And that prevents um, the calcium from teaming up with uh, another compound called oxalate and uh, which would then normally form calcium oxalate microcrystals and they can be really bad and they can go on to form big kidney stones and in fact the, the majority of the kidney stones in humans are made up of calcium oxalate but if the kidney has plenty of citrate around it can suppress the formation of these calcium oxalate crystals if you take ketocitra it is actually formulated to normalize the urine pH so it brings it away from the acidic range more to the neutral range again. It brings the, the citrate levels also back uh, more to normal uh, levels again. So you kind of have you know these two effects that, um, that then kind of like antagonize the, the formation of these microcrystals. That sounds like something that's pretty powerful across a spectrum of problems with PKD. So what I'm hearing is that with PKD, a lot of people have very acidic urine, which is not good. I'm hearing that because of the balances in the body, that there's less citrate in their urine, which is not good. By having that keto citra and the citrate in it, it helps to raise the pH of the urine and also have more citrate in the urine, which are both really good things. Did I get that right? Perfect. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because citric acid sounds scary, but you mentioned 
a really good source of citric acid is lemon juice. We're talking about very natural components here put together in very specific amounts and ways for PKD, which I think um, a dietitian I think is really, really cool. What flavor is Keto Citra then? What does it taste like? It's a powder. And so <laughs> yes, what, what does it taste like then? We decided to make it lemon flavored um, because it just was a natural fit. <laughs> um, <Shocking>. you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think, I think it you know, came out really well, the flavoring. Um, we, we decided, of course, to make it uh, only natural flavors. Um, so there's actually a real lemon extract uh, and uh, you know, a lemon powder uh, in there. I think it tastes fantastic. In fact, you know, if, if I compare it to lemonades you know you buy in, in grocery stores and in you know, 7-elevens and so on i think it beats a lot of them <laughs> just by by tasting more natural than a lot of the others that are, might be out there listen up all you folks that are good hydrators mm -hmm. or taking tolvaptin or janarku and drink a lot of fluid this is a nice flavor combination mm -hmm. uh, to mix it up i know I've, I've tried keto citra and i agree with dr wines it's it's a nice flavor yeah I drink it myself every day, you know, have a, a jar right here. <laughs> and, you know, I think it, it just helps to be nice, you know, to taste well. Otherwise, you know, people might get tired of it pretty quickly. Can you mix it? It's a powder. Can you mix it? Does it have to be cold water? Can it be hot water? Can you mix it into something like yogurt? Are there restrictions on how it, how you can use it? I would say anything goes, um, cold water, warm water. I've heard from people that drink it like a tea, like a lemon type tea. You can put other flavors in, you know, in addition to the lemon flavor that's already in there. Some people like matcha tea powder to throw that in there, which I tried. Tastes actually really good. Some people, um, I've heard of hibiscus tea. You know, you put that in there. Tastes great. I've experimented with all kinds of other, you know, tea bags of, of certain, um, you know, like an orange tea bag or things like that. You could do pretty versatile sticks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I very think, versatile. Um, yeah. So that's really good to know. Now there's a couple other things in there. So really quickly, I just want to highlight for listeners today, what's in there so that they know that when they're having that conversation with their doctor, they know what and why. Um, specific to PKD because that's really important. So you've got the BHB, you've got the citrate, and then you have calcium, magnesium, and a little bit of potassium. What's the benefit with those? In order to formulate it, um, there have to be these minerals in there um, because otherwise it just doesn't work. Um, of course, we wanted um, ketocitrate to be sodium-free, and that's in contrast to most of the supplements out there, you know, most of the BHP supplements that are oftentimes really, really high in sodium. There's lots of research that already says that sodium is just bad for polycystic kidney disease, worsens the disease, so um, strong associations there. Uh, we don't want sodium, so it's sodium-free. Instead of sodium, we kind of spread it out to calcium, magnesium, and potassium, um, which are actually all beneficial. Magnesium, for example, most people just in the general population are relatively magnesium deficient. I think as a dietitian, you know this pretty well. I'm um, probably paying attention to all your patients, make sure they get their magnesium in there. Um, so most people just don't get enough. 
The same is true of potassium. Most people don't get enough potassium you know, on a standard American diet um, because it's very sodium heavy and relatively potassium poor. And potassium has a lot of benefits. Um, there's a, a big misconception. Some people think potassium is bad for kidneys. That's actually not the case. Um, potassium is actually good for kidneys. The kidneys love potassium. The only problem with, um, by potassium comes up with kidney disease is you know, at the end stage, you know, when the kidneys start to fail uh, and they cannot handle potassium properly anymore, that's when potassium can kind of ramp up in the blood and it can lead to a condition called hyperkalemia. So you don't want that, you want to avoid that. But most kidney patients actually benefit from having more potassium intake. It also helps with blood pressure typically. Oh, huge um, benefits. You know, in, right. in the PKD Nutrition Academy, I have a whole module that's called the perks of potassium. I think a lot of people see potassium and think it's hurtful for the kidneys, but it's the exact opposite. So if someone was to take a whole dose, a whole serving of keto citra in one day, how much potassium would that be adding for mm -hmm. them? Yeah, it's about the equivalent to the potassium that's in a large banana. So if anyone can handle a, an extra banana a day, um, they would have, they shouldn't have any problem with keto citra. So it's, it's not a huge amount. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing to freak out about. And the other, um, the, the last uh, part is the calcium. Which is again, you know, most people in the general population also don't really get enough calcium in their diet. Calcium actually has the added benefit um, that um, calcium binds to oxalate. So where does oxalate come from? You know, it comes from plant sources that we eat. Um, you know, spinach is like a huge one, but uh, almonds, for example, you know, dark chocolate, um, Swiss chard, and there are many, many foods that are very rich in oxalate and that can be a problem for the kidney because the oxalate as a, you know as i mentioned can precipitate from these microcrystals in the kidneys can kind of avoid all this by not even absorbing um, the oxalate with your food so we recommend to take keto citra with a meal um, so let's say you have a big salad you want to eat you know there's a ton of spinach in there and this and that uh, it would you know, have a, a gram of of um, oxalate that, that you would get into your body normally. If you pair this with keto citra, calcium in the keto citra will help to bind all that oxalate and prevent it from being absorbed by the, in, in the gastrointestinal tract. So you essentially just poop it back out again. Kind of a little bit of a safety mechanism uh, built in into keto citra right there uh, to lower the uptake of oxalate for people. So the calcium which folks is not in a super high dose. So the calcium is helping to manage the oxalates, but also helping to meet calcium needs for bone health. Folks out there who are following ketogenic therapy, ketogenic therapy is traditionally pretty low in calcium. Absolutely consider talking to your healthcare professionals and your dietitian to look at what you have coming in. And keto citra is a great safe amount source for calcium in that situation. That's my little plug there. And then the last thing in keto citra is something else from my understanding that helps with the urinary pH in the body's balance of acid and base. Tell me a little bit about what that last component is and how it benefits mm -hmm. PKD. 
Yeah, so that's the way um, the, the ketocytone was um, you know, formulated is uh, it essentially delivers an, an alkaline base. Um, um, and, you know, for the experts out there, it's about 50 milli equivalents of alkaline base. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, someone doesn't know what that, that, that went over my head. I can't comprehend how much that is. <laughs> um, people with you know, PKD, as we said, you know, they have acidic urine, uh, and and this alkaline base load uh, essentially helps to overcome this or you know um, bring things back to normal. Yeah. So oftentimes people with kidney disease, they get. Um, um, the doctor might put them on um, sodium bicarbonate, for example for the same reason to alkalinize them more. It's something where one would um, look at, you know, what else one is taking. Um, you know, like a, you as a dietitian, for example, you would usually review um, other supplements and medications a patient would take. If somebody is on bicarbonate, sodium bicarbonate down, if you put somebody on ketocitra, uh, just so they don't kind of double up there necessarily. And um, I think it's actually a better solution, ketocytor, because it's sodium-free. You don't really, as a kidney patient, you don't really want to add more sodium in the form of sodium bicarbonate necessarily if you can avoid it. So, yeah, yeah, sodium bicarbonate has, I mean, the first word sodium has a ton in it. Everything in ketocytra is kidney-friendly. That's right. That's... That was actually one of the, the biggest motivations to launch a company and uh, try to make something available to people because lots of people are starting to ask me hey which supplement should, should i take <laughs> and um, my standard answer was always whoa i can't recommend any of them um, because they're, they're usually not designed you know with kidney safety in mind you know they might have sodium in them all kinds of fillers and additives and this and that um, that you know these supplement companies like to throw in there seem to be sort of a need out there to actually come up with something that is, you know, formulated to, to be kidney safe um, and that I could in good conscience recommend. I think that's so important. I've done a lot of digging into other, to other products because uh, I get asked about it a lot too. And the majority of supplements, because they are supplements, not medical food on the market, they have up to a thousand milligrams of sodium per serving. So we're talking about people are doing two or three servings a day. Talk about not good for the kidneys, but plus all that other crap. <laughs> that's what I call it. That's in there too. No, I agree. You always have to consider the kidneys when it comes to what you're taking. So if someone wants to talk to their doctor about Keto Citra, how would you recommend starting that conversation with a nephrologist or a doctor? Because I think a lot of people are a little bit intimidated by that. What would you say to them? Can they start that? It's a good question. And fortunately, we hear this all the time that, you know, a patient learns about ketocitra and, you know, even, you know, about the ketogenic diets and, and so on. They're all excited. They go to the doctor and the doctor has, number one, probably never heard anything about it. And the instinct reaction is, whoa, this sounds like a supplement. No, 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 don't take any supplements. So there's a bit of a need for education. And that's kind of on us also um, to, you know, try to start to educate um, healthcare practitioners more and have more materials out there. And we do have some good uh, materials on our, on the Center of Our Nutrients website. 
Um, there's, a, I think, a really good FAQ in a frequently asked questions uh, page that is actually written for uh, doctors, for healthcare practitioners, um, that has lots of references there, you know, the papers are cited. Um, so that would be a good link um, to send to, to the doctor to say, hey, I want you to take a look at this, check it out, tell me what you think. At least, you know, all the papers are listed there. It's going to be a lot of work for a doctor to fight their way through all these the details there. But um, I think if it's a, a good doctor, they should spend some time and, and learning about it. Hoping, Thomas, I'm we hoping. need a one-pager to help people through that. Yes, <laughs> I know. We, we need some help there because we don't want benefits mm. of ketosis stopping with that conversation. Just yeah, going over right. with doctors like... I'd like to go over this. And is there anything in here that would hurt me? Could it help me? Right. You know, yes, so exactly. You need to go back to SBN and tell them we need a one pager that everyone can take to their doctors to help discuss this. I totally agree. Yeah. Because it is an opportunity. And with PKD, that's what we want now is safe opportunities to impact right. the progressions. That is fantastic. Thank you for all that information. Is there anything that I missed or, or failed to ask you about that you would like to share with mm -hmm. listeners today? Yeah, just to um, to say that, um, you know, I think what I literally almost hear every single day is from patients is that, um, you know, they're, they were diagnosed a while ago by their doctor. And, you know, the only thing they remember is that doctor told them, oh, there's nothing you can do. Um, you, you just come back once a year and we monitor your decline in kidney function. And when you're ready for dialysis, you start that and we put you on the transplant list. I think that has changed. And that is not the proper advice anymore uh, today. But unfortunately, most patients haven't really heard that yet, uh, the, the change. And I think there's a lot now that patients can do based on, on the latest research to actually help themselves, make some changes in their diet, make some changes in their lifestyle, start something like keto citra, you know, work with a dietitian who knows what they're doing, you know, such as yourself, important to work with someone who actually knows kidneys uh, and knows ketogenic diets um, and has, you know, a, a lot of knowledge there. Patients shouldn't we take it as gospel what they might have heard 10 years ago in a, in a doctor visit. Um, that, that may not be, that's not the, the up-to-date knowledge anymore. Our medical system tends to catch up with stuff probably about 10 years down the road. I agree exactly. there. And there are opportunities and there are options. And with PKD, that's what I find so exciting. Like we are living in the time of all your research we're living in the time of taking your research and making it a product that's available. I, I love that. This has been super fun to have you here. Such an honor. I know that you're, you are a rock star in the PKD world and the community, but I'd love to, if your game, end with what I like to call the fast five. It's kind of fun questions just to kind of get to know you. How do you feel about that? Um, okay, sure. Let's All try. right, you ready? And it doesn't have to be long answers, just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, Thomas, if you had to pick one food to eat every single day, what would it be? Oh, geez, what I like mm, is bread. <laughs> I grew up with bread, my favorite food. But of course, if you have kidney disease, that's not what I would recommend. Um, Probably um, for someone with kidney disease, butter. No, for you, Thomas, if you had to pick <laughs> oh, one thing to eat every then, single day. 
then it would be bread if I could. But I'm I'm actually on a ketogenic diet myself, you know, just so I can experience it. So I can't eat bread right now. Um, you heard that, guys. Doctor Doctor Wines <laughs> lives what he he recommends. So <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm stuck all right, everybody else. <laughs> no, no, you can actually do plant focused ketogenic diets that are have a lot of variety and options, even some sourdough breads. We'll talk later about that. Okay. Number two, a little birdie told me that you are in a jazz band. What's your band's name and what instrument do you play? Ooh, well, it's not a professional band. We just meet once a week, you know, in, in my garage. Actually, we haven't, you know, we've been slacking a little bit. I play the tenor saxophone. I play a little bit of keyboards, uh, some guitar, some electric bass. And the band's name at last check-in was Groovish. <laughs> Groovish. <laughs> yes. I did not see that coming. You're playing all the <laughs> instruments. Very fun. <laughs> you ready for your third question? When you mm -hmm. were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, geez. I was very much into nature. <clears throat> I wanted to be a forester, hunter kind of person, you know, when I was really little and I knew nothing. And eventually it grew into kind of like biology and research type of thing. So, yeah, I kind of grew okay, up. Okay, I could see that. <laughs> I can see you as a hunter, but coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Okay. All right. There you go. Because I am a coffee girl too. Last question of our Fast Five is what project or research around PKD is exciting you right now? I think um, all these clinical trials um, we're working on right now to actually um, look at long-term outcomes, you know, of people that take ketocitra, that are going for the Renew program, that are implementing all these changes, you know. We have already seen, and, you know, you have seen it because you have run uh, the Renew program, you've seen the uh, amazing beneficial changes after just three months of people going through the um, program. But I want to know what about a year later, you know, are they still having uh, these benefits? Um, what has been uh, their life like, been like? And that's a little bit more complicated, you know, and it needs a, like a proper clinical trial. And we're working on those right now. Definitely can't wait to see that too. And it's, you know, it must be amazing to see your life's work go from lab to real life. I, I don't think that happens with a lot of research. So that's pretty cool. Thank you so much for being here today, Thomas. I know we learned a lot. Go ahead and tell the listeners where they can learn more about SBN, Keto Citra, and how to connect with you. The best starting point is go to the Santa Barbara Nutrients website. So if you just Google Santa Barbara Nutrients, or even if you just Google Keto Citra, you should everybody should be able to get to it look around there's a lot of um, informational material on there also um, a facebook group if anyone is on facebook it's just called mimes lab um, you know if you just punch that into facebook should be able to get to the group anyone is welcome to join the group there's a lot of discussion about pkd and diet and a lot of research discussion from where their patients are actually very involved in feel free to join so we've got some science and some community and by the way guys i'll drop all of those links into the show notes for you to connect learn grow and also explore starting keto citra for yourself well thanks again thomas and um, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast sooner than later 
Thank you, Diana. Anytime. <laughs>